0: What do you do with the remaining milk? A lot of people, what they do is add new milk to it and re-froth it. That's a no-no. When you add new milk, you're going to spoil it. So if you've made one bag of coffee and the milk's burnt by adding warm milk to that jug, you're just going to keep tainting the milk flavor. And that's going to taint the milk beverage that you're going to give to your customers. So it's very important that you froth your milk to a certain temperature. You chuck away the remaining milk. They've paid for a full cup of milk.
1: Welcome to the Blandy Coffee Podcast, All Coffee, No Sugar, the original podcast dedicated to strip away the buzz, the marketing spin, and the hype by getting under the hood and giving you All Coffee, No Sugar, the only coffee podcast show, motivating you to take action and accelerate your results with your coffee and your business by sharing tools, resources, ideas, reviews, and interviews, which work on getting you the biggest results by concentrating on the important small things. Now here's your
0: host, Patrizio Blandi. Welcome to the Blandi Coffee Podcast, All Coffee, No Sugar. I'm your host, Patrizio Blandi. I'm also the owner and coffee roaster for Blandi Coffee. BlandiCoffee.com is my website. This is where you can go and find more information that can help you improve your coffee and improve your coffee experience. So have a little sticky beak because I'm pretty sure you'll find something that you'll like. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to the show on iTunes because it only means you will be automatically notified when a new episode is available. This is episode 5. Continuing on with a the theme on how to make a consistent coffee, even if you're a novice. This is now part 4 milk. We're coming towards the end of this mini-series. There is one more part to this mini-series, which will be systems. If you've been following this series, on how to make a consistent coffee, well done. By the way, I just want to thank you for following me on this journey in this series. If you stuck with it, thank you very much. And I hope you enjoyed this journey. There's one more final step and you can be let loose to make your coffee. I'm sad, it is a very intense series and I think it's a very important series. If you truly believe and have the same passion as what I have about coffee and making a great cup of coffee, then this series is for you. Please go back to episode two, which is part one where I start the series, and that's concentrating on finding the great coffee, the perfect coffee. Then I've moved on to part two, finding the perfect coffee grinder. Part three being looking for that perfect, coffee machine that's going to make you the ultimate coffee. And now we're on part 4. All these series concentrate on the very small things, the basic things that you need to look at that is only 20% effort which is going to give you an exponential output. We're looking for 80% output by just doing these little things is going to get you the biggest results. And I keep mentioning little things that's going to give you the biggest output because they're overlooked. I would say a major part of places I go to and fail are only on the basic steps. They concentrate on the most complicated and the most fanciest things, which will give you very little output. Making something look nice is not going to make it taste nice, and that's very important. I'm not saying it's going to look crap, but if you look, make something look, especially with milk, that is the final step in your, your brewing process. The majority of coffee drinks in Australia are milk-based, and this podcast is worldwide, so I'm guessing that the majority of coffee drinks, depending on which part of the world you are, will be milk-based. Some will, will be the end of the step when you make the coffee, and there your espressos and your ris- and maybe and then maybe touching on the macchiatos, which require a little bit of milk. Only it requires a little stain of milk put into the coffees. This is an important step as well. So if you're making your beverages look pretty with rosettas, with love hearts, that is a very hard thing to do. Making that microfoam is very hard. If you just have microfoam and you just pour it in, pour it onto your coffee, but you make a very good milk, you're not burning it, you're not overheating it and you're treating it right, the milk, then not spoiling the taste so we've got to provide a consistency with our milk as well concentrating on those basic steps is better than performing art on the milk which in my personal opinion is concentrate on those first then really tap into those final things of making the final result look nice present it to your customers I also aim this series for domestic purposes so if you're at home making your milk, going to be very hard for you. You're probably not interested in making rosettas. You're probably interested in making them an experimental thing, but you'll basically want to make a coffee and add milk to your coffee to make a a latte or a cappuccino or a flat white at home. This is very important as well for someone making a coffee beverage at home. I'm sad to say that this part being the milk part is really overlooked by most baristas in the coffee industry. There is a lot of pressure on getting the coffee out quickly, not wasting milk and sort of bending to customers to their needs. I know the customers are there and sometimes they will ask you for some wild request, like making the milk really, really, really hot. If that's what the customer wants, they're paying. There's no point trying to educate them. It's You can tell them personally, this is not the best way to be serving you the, the beverage. But if that's what you like, I've got no problem. And these are the reasons why. And basically, always do your milk the same. Froth it to a temperature that is exactly the same. So if you do get a request that they want it more hotter, then you know what that step is beyond your normal step. If you don't have a a standard on where you froth your milk on temperature, then it's very hard for you to regulate. So it's your shop. Make a standard ice when you froth your milk. Heat it to a specific temperature. So that if there is any request that requires you to profit beyond that step, you can and you know where where it should be passed and how far more to pass it. And only do that for specific customers. Don't do that for everyone. Just because one person's asking or saying that the milk's not hot enough doesn't mean the milk's not hot enough. To them, it's not hot enough. Don't change the way you make coffee because of one customer. Now, this is the final step making your beverage so if you're making your short blacks or a ristretto or a macchiato after the shot it's pretty much there it's stopped but if you're making a milk based beverage then this is the final step so if you've made if you followed the series and you've made that perfect shot you need to follow on that consistency and that quality beyond that shot and that's in the milk process so this is the final step before the customer receives the beverage as i said before a lot of concentration is put on how good the froth looks or the microphone you created or how pretty you can make the beverage look to your customers with rosettas and hearts now that's not going to make the taste better or make the milk not burnt it's going to give you a visual satisfaction not taste wise you should be instead focused on delivering an unchanged milk flavor and froth to an optimal temperature for your customers it doesn't matter how good it looks to your customers you can destroy it by making the milk incorrectly that's something i really want to nut down in this series that milk is a very delicate product It can make people sick if you don't treat it well. You can burn the milk if you don't froth it to the right temperature or if you froth it beyond a certain temperature and reusing milk that's been frothed already. The things I'm going to talk to you about here, you're going to say it's the basic steps and people should be following this. But If you walk into a cafe, I'm saying about 80% of the cafes out there don't follow these steps. And if you do, you will knock them out of the park. People walking into a cafe and seeing you carrying out these steps you will freak them out because this is something that not many people do. Overheating the milk because a customer has been telling you that the milk's not hot enough and you want to froth the milk, so you sort of try to make everyone happy, that you change your system. You shouldn't be changing your system. You need to froth the milk at the appropriate temperatures so that the milk doesn't curdle, it doesn't give you a burnt taste, and also the way you handle the milk as well so that you don't make people sick. When you froth milk for a takeaway cup, the jugs are pretty much suited for your takeaway cups and your ceramic cups that you use for sitting or people dining in. Those jugs are pretty much close to those cup sizes. So you only need to add the milk to use the jug, milk jug appropriately for your cup size. So that amount of milk is enough to fill up the cup. Just say someone asks you for three quarters of a cup full, you still use the same amount of milk as a full cup. You froth it the same way, so you get up to a certain temperature, and usually that temperature, you can start by using a gauge or you can use by touch. And that'll give you the temperature where it should be frothed. And that temperature is pretty accurate. So once you get it to that optimal temperature, you pour it into the cup. So it's three cup, the three quarters full. You fill it up three quarters full. And what do you do with the remaining milk? A lot of people, what they do is add new milk to it and refroth it. That's a no-no. When you add new milk, you're going to spoil it. So if you made one bag of coffee and the milk's burnt by adding warm milk to that jug, you're just going to keep tainting the milk flavor and that's going to taint the milk beverage that you're going to give to your customers. So it's very important that you froth your milk to a certain temperature, you chuck away the remaining milk. They've paid for a full cup of milk. It's not cheaper because they're getting three quarters full. So they're still paying for the full price. So what you do is you chuck out that remaining milk, you rinse the jug. Important thing, you rinse it so the jug is clean. There's no residue left over of dry milk, any heated milk in there. You rinse the jug with a jug rinser and you add your new milk. A lot of things I see as well is that some coffee shops, places are not busy at certain times. So what they do is the remaining milk, they leave it in the jug and they put it into a cold food display or into the freezers below, so they can reuse that later on. If you're trying to reduce costs, that's one way. If you're trying to reduce your customer base, that's another way as well. It's very important. It's so basic that people have paid for that milk, so you're not wasting milk. It is a waste when you see it getting chucked down the sink but it's not a waste, it's an investment. Because if you throw that milk away, there's a customer in front of you and you're frothing milk and you serve someone and then you chuck that milk away and you rinse the jug in front of them and the jugs look clean. They don't have that residue on the top of the jugs. It looks ugly and it looks sickly. Is that a word? I don't know, but it should be a word because it's really, really bad. If a customer sees you rinse that jug and it's clean, They will talk about it. It's very important. It's not just about frothing milk. It's handling the milk too. How your milk is treated when it's delivered. How long has it been at room temperature? When you take out the milk jug and put it on top of your bench to start frothing milk and then you start getting a slow period, what do you do with that milk? Do you leave it on the bench? you put it back in the freezer. So you got to try to keep the milk as close to the cool temperature so that the milk is cool. And when you froth the milk at a cool level, you get that nice foamy micro foam. If the milk is hot, you're starting to degrade the milk and leaving it out at room temperature. Like I said, milk is delicate. So if you keep putting the milk into variable temperatures, then you're going to start destroying the milk. So if you're getting your deliveries, say two or three hours earlier than when you come in to your cafe, and then it sits there for two, three hours before someone rocks up to the site to open up the shop and put them into the cool room, then you've let that milk slowly degrade for two or three hours, and then you put it back into a cool room, and then you try to bring it back up to a an optimal cool temperature, and then what you do is you take it out again when you're making your beverage, and then you leave it on the bench, extra half an hour here, half an hour there, if it's not busy, you're sort of degrading the milk so like i said it is a very delicate product and it is affected by change of temperature it requires proper sanitation of the equipment that is used when you froth your milk and proper storage and handling how long the milk is delivered and how long it has to stay at room temperature before storing in the fridge if the milk jug is rinsed every time you froth new milk do you dispense the leftover milk do you reheat the left any leftover milk how hot is the milk when you froth it. Overheating the milk will give you a burnt taste. If the milk curdles because you overheat it, is one cause when the milk curdles. It can also be the coffee that you use, and it's used in the more soya-style milk that you're going to get curdling. Frothing the milk correctly at the right temperatures, it could be the coffee that you're using that could have a bit too much acidity. The best thing we can do here is have on your bench a milk jug rinser. This can be bought from your local parts supplier, someone that sells spare parts for your coffee machine or place where they sell coffee industry cups or coffee grinders or you buy your coffee machine, they will have a milk jug rinser. And they cost around 300 dollars roughly. And this would be a quick way to rinse your jugs in that commercial environment. You can have that in your home as well. But it there is It does require to have mains pressured water connected to it. You can buy these either flush-mounted or surface-mounted. Flush-mounted means that you cut out the bench and it sits flush with your bench. A surface mounted means it sits on top of your bench. It could be repositioned or, or it could be fixed. Either way, you can suit the situation you're in. So if, if you have a bench that is like a, a granite or a marble that might, or you don't want to really cut away any part of your bench, it's going to spoil or it's going to degrade the strength of the bench in any way, then the best thing to do is buy a surface-mounted one. You probably need to drill a hole to provide a drainage point and to connect your main water to it. So that's something else to look at when you buy this. You need to be connecting water to this milk jug rinser. So when you get your jug, you tip it upside down and there's this little sprayer. When you push down on it, it sprays water into your jug. It sprays it at this high pressure where it cleans out your jug and any residue on your jug as well. And if you do that consistently with every milk that you produce, then that jug will be always pristine in a pristine condition heating up your milk correctly you can do this by starting with buying a thermometer these thermometers are designed for milk temperatures so there will be a setting on the thermometer there will be a red mark to indicate that's the band at the temperature the milk should be at and that's usually around the 60 to 70 mark 65 in between is probably the ideal temperature and i'm talking about degrees celsius here you can use that to start you off and then i suggest you to use one hand to hold the milk jug handle so you can hold the milk jug and then with the other hand you turn on the steamer on your coffee machine and then place the palm of your second hand onto the front of the milk jug then as you're frothing the milk you will see the temperature slowly increase, and then you'll see the temperature on your dial increase as well. So when you get it to that 65 degrees Celsius, you'll feel that heat, and usually the heat is uncomfortable to have your hand on that jug. So it's time to switch that off. By the time you switch that off, it should be around the 65 to 70 degrees. That's a good way to sense and start getting that feel for heat with your hand. So then later on, what you can do is remove that thermometer, And then use fill only to make your, frothing your milk. If your milk does curdle, have a look at the temperature. Put a thermometer in there and have a look at the temperature that you heat it up to. If it's above that 70 degrees, then you've gone into a no-go zone with milk. That's when you're starting to burn it and where the milk probably can curdle. And if you're starting to use soya and you go above those temperatures, milk can curdle. Storage and handling of the milk is important as well. How the milk is delivered and left on location should be looked at. Personally seen milk delivered the night before and left in front of the cafe at room temperature. So if you've got a really hot day and that milk heats up, you can start destroying the milk. Or milk is delivered a couple of hours earlier in the morning because milkmen have a very early run. And sometimes cafes don't open, say probably the earliest 6 a.m. If milk's been delivered at 3 a.m., then you're having the milk sit there for two to three hours before someone actually puts that milk. It doesn't really mean that if someone arrives there, they're going to put the milk into the cool room straight away, unless they're really pedantic and they do that. I think looking at your delivery is very important. Try to adjust the delivery. As soon as you receive it, you put it into your cool room. And another thing is handling the milk. So when you pull out a new container of milk to use it for frothing your milk, put it on the bench. If you're busy, you'll go through that two litre of milk pretty quickly. But if it does get quiet, I suggest putting that milk back into the cool room or back into the freezer below your bench. So have a freezer below your bench just for milk is very important. When it does get quiet, chuck that milk back into the fridge so you keep it at a, an optimal temperature. If you leave it on the bench, it's a really hot day, then you're going to start degrading the milk. Then something you don't want because milk is really, really delicate and It's a dairy product, so if you leave it out to room temperature, it does spoil the milk. Every customer is different. What I can suggest for you to do when you are frothy milk for your customers, do it one way only. If a customer comes up to you and says that the milk is too hot, it's not hot enough, then adjust it appropriately only for that customer. And make sure you remember that customer. So when he comes back in or she comes back in, remember, this person wants it hotter than I usually do it. And if you do it hotter and you give it to the customer, they will love you because you remembered. You could easily adjust for those customers if you have a standard heating process. Don't change your methods because of one customer's complaint. If you are a busy cafe and you're busy and you're saying that you can't rinse jugs every time a customer comes in, that's untrue. And I tell you because if you have a milk jug rinser right next to you, all you need to do is dump the milk, which the milk jug rinser has a drain, you tip it upside down, the milk comes out, press down on the milk jug rinser, and automatically rinses your jug. That's going to take you no more than two, three seconds, say five seconds max. I'm pretty sure if you invest five seconds extra, I'm pretty sure your customers will appreciate the beverage is going to take 10 seconds or 30 seconds more because you're cleaning the jug and giving them absolutely the most outstanding amount of effort to put into your beverage. They'll appreciate that. So they don't mind waiting that extra 30 seconds because you're rinsing the jug. And if they see that, they won't complain about why it's taking so long. So there is an investment of say $300 plus your it costs to add it into your installation that you have, your original shop, or you can factor in if designing a new shop. Buy your jugs appropriately. So have a jug suited for your eight ounce and have a jug suited for your 12 ounce. And then if you want, you can buy a jug that, for two beverages and no more than that because if you have one customer come in you've got a froth milk for one customer and you've got a big jug you're going to waste a lot of milk so if you have different size jugs for your different cups then you can if you have one customer and it's an eight ounce cup you use your eight ounce jug that's going to make that milk appropriate milk for a cup size so using different milk jugs to suit your takeaway cups if you have jugs that's going to suit your sitting customers then you're not wasting milk because those milk jugs are designed for the cups just a tip on the milk jugs you probably need to get two versions of it if you really want to be efficient and put tabs on those Put a blue one for your normal milk and a pink one for your light milk and for your soy milk. Have a different color as well. The reason for that is so if you've got to froth your different milks. So if you're making a full cream milk, or like a soy milk as well. If you don't have these tabs on your milk jug handles, you can get confused on what's what when you place it down on the bench. If you're really busy, you might not be paying attention. You'd be putting those jugs down and then you don't know what's what. So a tip is buy three versions of your milk jugs. And and usually in a typical cafe, you'll have three jugs. You have your 8-ounce, you have your 12-ounce, and you have your bigger jug that suits for two cups. In Australia, and what I really suggest if you're in other parts of the world, is concentrate on those two sizes. I believe that 8-ounce is a perfect size for coffee, a milk-based coffee. A 12-ounce is if you want to go to larger size. I know there's bigger sizes, like 16-ounce, 24-ounce, and so on. But when you go beyond 12 ounces, it's no longer a coffee beverage. It's more a milk-based beverage with a coffee flavor in it. And I really, truly believe in this. If you want to stand out in a coffee shop environment, I believe that you should only stick with two sizes with coffee. I can totally relate to why milk-based beverages are more common. It's because you want to be able to enjoy the coffee more and to enjoy it a little bit longer than, I say, a short black. Eight ounce and 12 ounce is the optimal way of making a coffee. Then if you go beyond that, I'm not saying you shouldn't be serving it, but be serving it under a different sort of environment. So if you can really optimize to say your eight ounce and 12 ounce cup sizes for a cafe for your milk based beverages. I think that's the ideal way to go about having a cafe. If someone does request something larger, cater for that. But as a standardized thing in your shop, have only 8 ounce and 12 ounce. I think that's a very, they're their appropriate sizes for coffee. And like I said, anything beyond 12 ounces is a lot of milk. I know you put extra shots in the milk and that's fine, but you are consuming a lot of milk and everyone is different. Standardized for who you are, eight ounce and 12 ounce. And if someone else requests it, then cater for that. You need to sort of stand for something, not sort of cater for everyone. You know, you can't cater for everyone all the time. But if someone does request something and they can't have eggs with their bacon and eggs, then you just need to cater for that. So you just say, no problem, I can give you a bacon roll without the eggs. You do the same things, remove the eggs. Same thing. If someone requests, oh, do you have a bigger version of this? You say, look, we don't usually stock it but i can make something up for you that's the best way you make them happy and people walk into the shop they know that they're your two sizes anyway this is pretty much it for the milk this is not rocket science it's very basic but these basic things observe it and actually it's that for you to take go out there and buy your temperature gauge and see where you froth your milk. Invest money into milk jugs that suits those cup sizes and buy the different versions and put those tabs on it. So, you know, you can buy a zip tie, different colors. You can buy a blue one, you can buy a pink one, and you can buy, say, a yellow one. So you know your blue one, your full cream, your pink one is your light and then you can go a yellow for your soy or your almond milk, whatever you use. Then invest money into a milk jug rinser. Go and buy one. Get it installed. If you don't have one already, I suggest get that. That's very important. That alone, if you do buy that, you're going to increase your quality output by at least 50% by rinsing your jugs, cleaning out the jugs, chuck out the milk, change the delivery of your milk, if it's been delivered too early, find another appropriate time. Contact your delivery milk delivery person and say to them, you know, I want to get it closer to six o'clock if that's when you open up, or you know, at seven o'clock. At least someone's in there. They can as soon as they get delivered, bang, put it inside. I'm pretty sure you're buying a lot of milk from this person. They will cater to to that request. Another action step you could take: go out, take your family out. Enjoy yourself. Go for a coffee in another cafe shop locally or further out from your local place. Go and see what they do. Have a look. Observe. Do they rinse the jug? Do they heat the milk again? It's pretty sure if you start observing this, you'll see the patterns that they don't follow the basic steps. I've seen it in a lot of shops I go into. A milk jug rinser is not a common thing to have. If you do have it, you're going to outdo your local coffee shops around you you're going to outdo them and you will knock them out of the park for sure. There is some action steps you can take. And I really hope that this episode really fine tunes into how important milk is and getting it correctly and getting and looking after that milk as well. I want to say thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you believe that this show has helped you in any way, if you review the show on iTunes and give it a five-star rating if it's deserved it will only make it more visible to people so if it's helped you by making it more visible to someone it's going to help more people and that's the aim of this podcast is to help as many people as possible and people like you that are really passionate about making the coffee making your coffee better and enjoying coffee much more so thank you for joining me on this episode and hope to see you on the next one so bye from me and enjoy your coffee
1: Thank you for listening to the Blandy Coffee podcast. All coffee, no sugar. Subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episode. Visit BlandyCoffee.com to get links and resources mentioned in this episode. And download the PDF which contains a full transcription of the episode. Enjoy your coffee and bye for now.